Hello, we are No More Sex is Shit. I'm Beth. I'm Louise. And this is episode eight where we're talking all about the French Dispatch. <laughs> Quickly, before we get started, we do have social media, um, so follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No More Sex is Shit, basically. And we also have a TikTok page, so why don't you give us a follow? And if you haven't been keeping up to date, we did a whole mini series on Killing Eve season four. So if you've watched it and you would like to have a listen, go ahead and, and have a listen to that. Before we say any further about the French Dispatch, this is a spoiler warning. You know the drill. If you've not watched it, go and watch it and then come back once you have. So, summary of this film. A collection of short stories are published in the French Dispatch, a newspaper published in French for the people of Kansas. So, Beth, what did you think? I love this film. I knew what I was getting because, obviously, it's Wes Anderson. And I just really enjoyed it. I remember sitting in the cinema and watching it on the big screen and just absolutely loving just all of it. What about you? Never seen a West Anderson film before. Um, really? Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, this is a great one to start with. Then. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very different to what I thought it was. Um, I think West Anderson, and I think the Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. and I've never ever got round to watching that. So I was a bit. I don't know if it was my thing, but I really liked it. Obviously, as a language student, you would also. Enjoy the French aspect of it, and it it was it was a really <laughs> um, affectionate look into France, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it didn't romanticise France. Like that is a big problem that we do look at quite a lot about the romanticisation of France and how it's a big thing. And even though like Sarzak, he doesn't romanticise France, but it gives like a almost truthful version of it. Um, it was quite interesting as somebody who knows quite a lot about French history to see it. I did like that and how and the goofiness and all this all the seriousness of it was just perfect. Yep. I loved it. So shall we move on to characters? Yeah, let's go for it. Um well the first character is Herbison Cesarac by Owen Wilson. Yep. Um who surprised me because I didn't know MD. I went into this film blind, didn't know who MD was in it. <laughs> really? Oh, it's Owen Wilson. oh yeah. my gosh. Because I don't want to research it, I wanted to Yeah, just... that's, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, he goes for Ennui, um, typical French town that I love them. Yeah. Um, he talks about old people who have failed at their life, talk, categorises people into the districts, shows you how the districts have changed in a way that didn't glorify France, but was really good in portraying it quite realistically. Definitely. He gives a story that you wouldn't want to visit the town I feel like it wasn't touristy it was a good representation it's just not what they're looking for in the tourism section yeah exactly he talked I mean he talked about seeing dead bodies in the river and how often they collect them and you but he does it in such a way that you know he he feels at home there so he still he is still very affectionate of it even if it is a bit (laughs) dodgy sometimes yeah it's like when he falls off his bike or he goes down to the metro um that was a quite a laugh at like moment yeah it was making fun of movies and it was great yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah because he does typical riding through france on a bike but of yep. course it's different 
Yeah, I loved how this part was filmed as well when he's holding on to the, the truck and yeah. you just see him steadily on this bike. And of course, we know it's not moving anywhere, but yeah. it just, I don't know, it was something about that scene that just felt so right. And when I'm talking about the movie, it was, um, it's obviously a big budget, it's quite a big film, but it could have been such a bigger budget film if they hadn't used techniques that made it look cheaper, but it worked into the plot. Exactly. Like stuff like that, and like the cartoons for all the car chases, so they didn't have to <laughs> animate that. Yep. Stuff like that was just great. Yep. Moving on to Moses Rosenthaler. So <laughs> this, I have to say quickly, was my favourite story out of the three that we see. This was my favourite. Um, he is an inmate and is, has been very skilled as an artist. And while he's in prison, he starts painting and particularly doing nude paintings of his prison guard, Simone, who we will talk about in a moment. He is not interested in life. He is stuck in a prison. He has a violent past. Um, and he was kind of brought up in an art school and very privileged. But he kind of, yeah, he just wasn't into that kind of life and started doing some questionable things and then ends up in jail, obviously. So he basically joins an art class while he's in prison and his art is like amazing and so this art dealer comes and says like I want to sell your art and he's like and he's like no thanks and then someone's like do it and he's like okay so eventually he becomes to become a very prestigious artist and they're quite abstract paintings based off of Simone's naked body he also falls in love with Simone and he think she's amazing but it is not reciprocated unfortunately and so he's a bit suicidal he's drinking like mouthwash or something every day that's eventually gonna kill him and then he does there's a scene where he wants to be electrocuted in an electric chair but he then changes his mind and he's kind of always constantly seeking approval from other people so it's yeah he's just I don't think he's had the love that he should have had. And he has a very scary growl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's interesting, he's played by two actors. Yep. Played by Benicio de Toro and Levoli, I think. Yeah. Um, Who's been in then, other Wes Anderson films. Yes. I think he's in Budapest Hotel. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep. Um, it's West Hamson, such a big cultural icon that you kind of just see stuff. But um, I liked when they changed over between the two because they literally had both on screen giving the locket and passing over. And it was quite, it's quite obscure. The whole film's obscure and yeah. it's not realistic, but it's amazing. And that's yeah. part of it. Um, yeah, of course he drinks mouthwash, but he also drinks mouthwash at the start. We saying I was drinking mouthwash, that's why I joined the art class. So there's an interlink. Um, it was quite funny when he painted this grand masterpiece and it was on the prison walls, so they couldn't take it. They couldn't take it because it was like federal property or something yeah. like that. That was very, very funny. That and was... I do I do wonder if it was his intention to do that in the first place or if that was yeah. accidental. But I think I think he did it intentionally. Yeah, I like um, how they just took it anyway. 
and yeah. the plane. They're just yep. plane. Yep. Yeah. The film obviously goes between black and white quite a lot. And like and one of the examples is his life. And then when we see his paintings, we see them in colour. Yep. I like how he was an artist before prison. And these paintings would not sell at all. And then it was only until he was in prison that he, he drew the sparrow. Mm-hmm. And that was the most intricate sparrow. And that was the truth of a real impressionist that he could paint like that. Yeah, but yeah, because yeah. Because he painted the other way. Yeah, he chose not to. Yeah, really powerful stuff. Yeah. And oh, I've forgotten what I was going to say. But oh, oh, yeah. And while he's in prison making this grand masterpiece at the end, he uses stuff from the prison. So I can't yeah. remember the exact things that he uses, but he uses these really odd things to yeah. make this painting. And the particular scene that I love aesthetically is where he's painted the wall yellow and there's just splashes of yellow everywhere. Yeah. And I just, oh, just watching that is so vividly amazing. Yeah. What's quite good about that, his story is the is one of the bribes and it's just like this flat screen and it's one hand, it's, like the story and the hands just handing out money. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. I mean, all these film techniques that are used throughout, it just adds to the, the detail and to the feeling of the overall film. Yeah. Okay, shall we talk about Simone? Let's go for it. By Played by Leah Sidhu, I think. Sidhu? Yeah, I think so. Possibly. Yep. Um, so, obviously, yeah, she's a bomb girl. Um, yep. I feel like that's what the actress is known for it's quite funny as well because i'm pretty sure i had just seen no time to die and then i came and saw prince (laughs) dispatch they were really close together when they were released yeah um and it does make me wonder when did she film which one but she was clearly very busy at the time yeah i can probably imagine she probably did the first one then this and the second one yeah probably but they had the thing um yeah so she's his manager slash girlfriend slash prison guard. Um, and she was a little bit since she was 20, which is interesting because it has the whole historical context. We do get some of that about how people weren't educated. Yep. And we see how she's teaching herself through the prison library, which is she wants to self-help. And of course, after the talent show, she is planning to leave the prison. So we see some character development from her. Um, she denies his most proposals. She's like, I don't love you. Quite that harshly. is, it's so harsh. She's like, I don't love you. I don't love you. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, she is in the prison, but she wants to leave. She can hold challenging positions for a long time when she's getting painted. And it was quite a comedic element to that scene where she, you know, like, she doesn't get affected by cold or hot. And there's just her sitting and like posing in the weirdest positions ever. Yep. <laughs> Um, the confidence because also she's mid modeling, so she's a very confident person. And then at the end, it says she's going to reunite with her strange daughter. Yep. What did I, you think of this character? Yeah, um, she's quite. She's a complex character, actually. She's quite complex. She, yeah. She is comes across as quite unsympathetic. But then she does care for Moses and wants him to do well. Yeah. So it does kind of show, well, is she as unsympathetic as she comes across? So, yeah, interesting character. I'm not sure if I liked her, but I thought it was, yeah, I thought she was interesting. She's very French. 
I feel like she was one of the more fringe characters. Quite a lot yeah. of my fringe, but she was one of the more fringe main characters. And she is French, isn't yeah. she? So that yeah. probably helped. And she spoke French. Yeah, which was I so like good. The Jewel thing of um, the main American actors and all the they speak English, but most people, other people speak French, which is quite nice. Yeah, totally. And the subtitles, we should say, aren't formatted the usual way subtitles are. No. It was one line was written at the bottom and then they were stacked on top. So in the opposite order that you would think. So I'm not sure why <laughs> this was, but I thought it was, yeah, just another kind of quirky thing to add to the film. And to note that the subtitles weren't exact translations. Um, like most things, they won't be. But that's like a point that just to make. Um, the ending was funny where they found out about the prison attack and then he got recommendations because I think he killed 70 people mm-hmm. and they was like yeah let him out of prison <coughs> yeah yep yeah fair, that was fair. Yep. overall that story was interesting it was good yeah I liked yeah. It. It, it just the combination of the two and the interaction between them all yeah a really intriguing story that hasn't really been told before so yeah enjoyed it moving yeah, on to the next it. character JKL Berenson um played by the amazing Tilda Swinton yeah. not a lot to be said for this character um she presents the art of Moses Rosenthaler um and talks about it and she worked for Ma who was a kind of famous art buyer or something like that and eventually she shows the I can't remember what it's called but the art show with Rosenthaler's final work yeah she is (laughs) she has no filter and it's so funny because she accidentally presents a slide of herself (laughs) yeah and she's like, oh, that's me. And she's like, oh, well, well. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, she just has a lot of power and it's quite a quirky lady. And I think Tilda Swinton's acting is just on point. And the fact that she doesn't, you know, she has, I think she, these must be false teeth or something yeah. that kind of hide and make her lips kind of jut out a little bit. It's a really interesting kind of detail. Yeah. Um, I think she's a goddess, honestly. She's just <laughs> so cool. I was like, you're just an awesome lady. Yeah, um, what I liked is when, it, for example, she's like, I'm now for my drink. She dr- takes it a drink. And then we get the more personal aspect of it, where she starts talking about how she's involved in the story. The camera pans away from her, almost up to the sound booth. And that's like, it's not. It's like a break from normal programming. Yep. And then, of course... At the start, we think she's just not a historian, then we find out that she is part of the story. Yeah. Which is quite good. Yeah, definitely. She's just a really cool character. And she doesn't do an awful lot in the film, but enough that you kind of get a sense of who she is and why she's important in the story. Yeah. Shall we move on to the second story of this? Um, it's Lucinda Kremnitz. Yep. Um, played by Frances McDormand, um, Oscar winning actress. Yep. Yes. Um, she says the children are grumpy. Um, she's blonde. She likes the company of her friend's son. Um, she's supposedly neutral, but she's not. Um, she's recording this. And she wants 
to encourage him to be young and help, and he she helps him with the old stuff like manifestos. But she really thinks that they shouldn't be that angry. They are angry children, but they are children. Yeah, it's good. It was good. I liked her character. She's quite blunt. Like at the start, where she's like, I'm happy being single, and she's just like, I'm goodbye. Um, what I liked about this story in general was it's like references to like French history, but the absolutely like comedic aspect of it. <laughs> so, like, example, I presume it's kind of like the May 6, 1968 riots in France, mm-hmm. which are the, were the young people's revolts in France and the university, mm-hmm. and that inspired such a big movement in France. And of course, this is a revolt, but it's kind of comedic. We have the tower, the radio tower that's in front of us, sorry, that's above the physics building. Then we've got the girls' dormitory riots. Then we've got the chess, where instead of the protests, they are literally just playing chess. Yep. And the the amount of communication going between the two, like sending it back and forth for the next move, you know, that running secretary taking it to the mayor yeah. to do the next move. It's just very comedic. It makes serious things comedic. Um I like how we find out that Francis McDermott's character, Simon Shelby's character, where just they come out wearing the gas mask and they're just like, bye, and then leave. Yeah. And that's really funny. And, and she nudges them as well and she's like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny. And then she sleeps with them, which is just yeah. like questionable, but yeah. what? And then it's the so funny. Twist. Yeah, it, it's funny though, because at the end, he does say, like, oh, I'm a virgin except from Crements, and she's like, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what a savage. But it was, yeah, no, it was quite funny. Yeah, I liked how she edited his manifesto. She's unapologetic about it. She doesn't ask. She said, this is what you're going to do. She asks what they're fighting for. And don't... I don't think any of them know. So I, I think it's more about freedom. But I think one of the points was access to the girls dormitories for the yeah. guys I feel like that wasn't the overarching no exactly I, I don't yeah. think they were entirely sure, I, sure either the students yeah. they were just like we want to fight because we want to fight the children are grumpy that's essentially what he was showing revolutionaries yes yeah but of course we've got a darker tone to this story as well because we have the friend who joins the army and he sees he finds out about the army and about how that's the way they'll join the army, they'll get jobs, but one of his other comrades can't do it, so he jumps out the window. That is dark. And of course, he is the, com- the person who comes back from war and starts a revolution almost and says, I'm going to protest. Definitely. And burns the flag. Yeah. So moving on to another character in this story is Zeffirelli, who is, of course, played by Timothy Chalamet. Is he so- French? Timothy Chalamet? Yes. He is fluent. He is a fluent French yes. speaker. Yeah. But he's not French. He comes from French background, I think. Okay, because I never that tweet on. Uh, I think his mother's French. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. So the main point that Zeffirelli wants to get across is that he's shy about his new muscles. <laughs> he's, he mentions this frequently, um, which is... <laughs> It's just very comedic, and I feel like all kind of 
this is a sweeping generalization, but a lot of boys feel the same way <laughs> growing up. Yeah, they were definitely making them into the awkward teenager turned revolutionary. Yeah, definitely. He is, I mean, he's just a kid and he doesn't he doesn't really try to hide that. Um he loves um Juliet, of course. Um, and he also does have a soft spot for uh, Clements as well. He is a bit of a romantic, and of course, we see this scene where he's on a a moped, uh, yeah. riding away with Juliet as well, which is it's quite a funny scene. Um, he dies, which is hashtag sad times. That scene yes. is, yeah, it's very funny and. He climbs up this radio tower and then, of course, he is electrocuted. And the way that is shot um, actually reminds me of another one of Wes Anderson's film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, because we see a similar thing happening there. I have actually seen a Wes Anderson film then before. Yay! (laughs) Yes, Fantastic Mr. Fox. To be fair, I forgot that that was one of his films. Because it's animated, I'm just like, oh, oh, wait, no, it is. If you think about it, I can see it. Yeah, it's 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 very arty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one of the quotes that I think kind of just hits the nail on the head for Zeffirelli is one that Clement says, which is touching narcissism of the young. And I feel like, yeah, that's pretty much the whole summary of this whole story is touching narcissism of the young. Yes. Love fast, I am. Exactly. Bad girls do it well. Sorry, can help myself. <laughs> Yeah, and of course there's lots of fighting in this. There's fighting between the police and the young people and also and fighting between the young people. So Juliet, um, played by Lydia Kudri, um, is the other leader of the resistance. She says she's a treasurer, but I feel like she thinks she's a leader. Um, she's opinioned, she has her own ideas, she gives a person in trouble for going to war even though he has to they say it's obligatory they repeat it's obligatory um she's in love with Zeffirelli everybody can see it apart from them too like Mrs Kremovitz is like used to um she does apologize eventually but she is very mean yeah for example she um, makes fun of Francis McDermott's character quite a lot in one of the confrontations yep and she talks about how she's not impartial anymore. Which is true. Yeah. She's like the mysterious character almost in the story. But she is still a kid. We are reminded of that at the start when she has her feet on the tapestry and the chess match. And Francis McDermott character says feet and she moves them. So she does still see the authority of adults despite the fact that she says that she's a revolutionary totally I mean they are just kids um and that's I think that's the overall you know idea that they're just they're just little kids and they don't really know what they're doing at least that's how Wes Anderson portrays it in this movie so moving on to Robot Wright um played by Jeffrey Wright who Hold on a wee second, we've seen this guy in a movie already this year. Oh wait, he's in the Batman. Oh yes, so he is. Yeah, what a guy. <laughs> he yeah, yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, one of the first things, so he's on a talk show, um, and he is reciting an article or yes. that he has written, 
about <laughs> it's meant to be a review on a chef yes. and it ends up being about an abduction which is it's 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 very entertaining to watch so the one of the first things he's tested on is his photographic memory which is how he then tells the story what i liked about this film um, and telling of the stories was it, it wasn't the same every time we get the presentation by Berenson and we get uh, Owen Wilson's character um, Sazrak who is just pretty much narrating his story but he's like riding through it and telling the story as he's doing it basically um, and of course we get the the talk show here talking about the article so I liked it wasn't the same kind of format for each story yeah, he emphasizes it doesn't actually have photographic memory. He has a typographic memory. Yes, correct. Yes. So um, he tells yeah. the story of the abduction of the commissioner, right? The commissioner's son, the police officer's yeah. son. And it's a <laughs> it's a good story. We get a car chase. Yeah. Which basically every action film has. Yeah, we have. Yeah a band of misfits who are about band together to kidnap the son. Yep. And we have a hatred of radishes. Yep. I wonder if Wes Anderson hate radishes because it's a very random thing to put in if you don't. Totally. I mean, fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, it is a bit of a random thing to have. Um, another fact we get about him is that he was arrested for having gay relations which is why he ended up in the prison in the first place and is how he met Arthur Howitzer Jr. Yes. It's funny, um, at the start, he's like, I could not find the commissioner's office. This is because of my homosexualness. <laughs> I know that, yeah, that was quite funny, actually. Yeah, I just remember like, that point. It was like gay humour. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was, yeah, an, like, it was a nice touch. It was yeah. a nice touch. And we see him like going through this police station. And I mean, it's huge. And yeah. he is very lost. And I think we, as the audience, are also very lost. Yeah. And we see lots of other settings. And we see the chicken coop, for example, as well. Yeah. And we see Willem Dafoe. Yes. Um, King Goblin's back again. Yeah. He's in a lot of Wes Anderson films, actually, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the accountant for the like the big three gangs of this town. So it's pretty much they've got them. And it's he's like the commissioner's son's basically a cut up in a gang war. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And we get an awesome car chase scene as you talked about earlier that's animated. Um and we get the sound effects as well. And then the commissioner's son slaps them and then they laugh yeah. about it. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this is funny. That was great. Um, the chef was great. Um, they had the repeated image of the chef every time he started cooking, had two pans going up. <laughs> and he was the best cook. And of, I get the impression it's supposed to be all in France. He seems like a very good chef. Um, and of course, the chef is so eager to prove himself that he actually poisons himself. Yeah, that is commitment. I was like, gone yourself. Like, that is some commitment. But of course, he says it's because he's a foreigner, so he always has to prove himself. Yeah. So that's like getting the political point across, which was quite good. Definitely. And then, of course, the two men bond over that feeling. And yeah. 
what's also quite funny is that he quite liked the taste of the poison. <laughs> it was like yep. something he'd never tasted before. Yeah, nobody seemed, apart from the, every single person in the gang died. The rest of the cat just seemed unfazed by this turn of events. Yep. Beca- because um, they are all brutally murdered. But he just brushes over it with like cartoonish guns yep. and flashes of light. And through the cartoonish nature of it, we forget that how many people are dying. Yep. We also, in this story, just briefly, we're not going to talk about this character, but Saoirse Ronan is in this film, which I don't know if you noticed, um, she plays one of the prostitutes um, that talks to the little boy and she asks him to, no, he asks her to sing a lullaby, um, which was, yeah, kind of sweet. Um, she is also another actress that he has, that Wes Anderson has used before. Yeah. So it was quite nice to see a familiar face, but she was transformed. Like that wig was something else. <laughs> yeah. No, she, I didn't recognise her. I saw her on the cast list, but I was trying to pick where she was. I couldn't. Um, yeah. It was, it was a good episode all around. Um, importance of food was highlighted and it made me really hungry. Yeah, it sounded like really, really good food as well. Yeah. What I would like to talk about, the whole aspect of the magazine itself, is the fact that it is a French-produced about France newspaper magazine that is sold in Kansas and how that relates to the Anglophone viewers. So we've got the Anglophone viewers' perspective through this magazine, but also like the Francophone perspective through the use of the French language and probably how Anglophone media presents them which is interesting Definitely Moving Mm. on to our last character Yes, the main guy It's not actually in it that much Nope Um, At the start we are giving the introduction to the company through Arthur Howitzer Jr and this is the whole premise of the story set up He's dotted about in each story, but really always starts at the start and the end as like an editor to guide the story to completion. He's respected nepotism as the reason that he's in France. They say it was a holiday that turned into so much more. Um, he is mean to everybody but the writers, um, even the artists. So he has a harsh personality. What I thought was best about this character was that... Um, no crying well in his office. <laughs> it was quite harsh, especially because how harsh the stories are and how much emotion the writers put into the writing and he just has, like, no emotion. Like, he fires the small child and says, no crying in my office. I um, thought it was kind of nice, though, at the same time, and especially, <clears throat> although he is harsh, he does fight for the writers and that is brought up. And I thought that was a really important thing. And quite often the editors of newspapers are seen to be, you know, I mean, just look at Supergirl with Cat Grant, you know, they seem yeah. to be quite harsh, but they do care about their craft and they do care about the writers making it for them. And I think it's because they care so much that they are then harsh about it. So, yeah. And of course, he's played by Bill Murray, who, again, has been in previous Wes Anderson movies. and. It's not Bill Murray's classic character either, which was quite nice to see. And he is sort of 
yeah, he has this status, but he's kind enough to his writers, but also has the sense of authority. Yes, and of course, it starts at the end because we find that about his heart, we find that about his death at the start, and then the film ends with his death and how the obituary they end up writing, and that's how the story finishes. It's the last circulation of the paper. Yep. So let's talk about the reviews. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it scored 75%, which is pretty decent for Rotten Tomatoes. That is pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, pretty good. And for the independent paper, it was quoted that it said, utterly exquisite and deceptively complex, which is, you know, classic Wes Anderson films. And it was rated five stars. It's quite interesting as I was looking through the reviews it varies depending on who you ask. And I think that is yeah. that is classic. I mean, Wes Anderson, you either love it or you hate it. There's no kind of in-between. You either just go with it completely or you're just left feeling, what on earth was that that I just watched? Yeah, it's one of the films that you can watch probably multiple times and every time you watch it, you'll see something there. Exactly. There's so much detail. Yeah, yeah, totally. So our opinions, we talked about initial kind of impressions. What are your opinions on the film overall, Louise? What are some of your favourite moments and some of your not-so-favourite moments, if you have any? Um, favourite moments, I quite liked the young people's revolutionary story. And I quite yeah. liked the kidnapping plot. They two were probably my favourite out of them all. Um, I think I liked the cartoonish nature of the kidnapping plot and how it's played for laughs and how everything's played for laughs. Even the heart attack's played for laughs. When we see him lying across his desk saying, oh, um, the watchers on strike. Um, I liked how it had social commentary, but also it wasn't too strong. And you could laugh at the characters. And I think the characters are presented in a way that you relate to them, but don't. But you can also laugh at them and also be serious. What did you think? So I liked the symmetry of it, you know, just how aesthetically pleasing it looked, you know, everything being directly on centre, just classic Wes Anderson. One of my favourite moments was the play scene where we see that and I loved how it was shot and just the kind of it I mean it did feel like a play it just had that he managed to capture exactly how plays are which I thought was really good I also loved the soundtrack Um, I I can't remember who um, composed it off the top of my head but I thought the soundtrack was great and it really went well hand in hand with the film I also liked the combination of the colour and the no colour, as you mentioned earlier. I thought that was effective. And yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was just a a really enjoyable film and, um, you know, a kind of ode to France. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. The colour changes worked and I don't think it was very, like, Wizard of Ozzy. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. It wasn't like... Ooh, but it was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So are we moving on to our person of the day? Da, 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 da. <laughs> so 
our person of the day today is Anne Hathaway. Now, I know she didn't <laughs> appear in this film. It may seem like an odd choice. Let me just explain that I was scrolling through my Instagram <laughs> and stumbled upon a video of her in an interview talking about arriving back at Ocean's Eight after having been, well, having been giving birth, <laughs> you know, having a child. And she was just welcomed back and um, no one bothered about the extra weight that she gained that they were all really complimentary so it just and I've seen loads of stuff on my feed at the moment about Anne Hathaway because of the Kelly Clarkson show that she was on recently um, and yeah. so I thought she's I mean she's I love Anne Hathaway so much she's such a an iconic person and a really kind person so I was like seems about right that we do Anne Hathaway so yeah. some fun fact about this awesome lady she wanted to be a nun when she was 11 <laughs> um quite a random fact but there you go um this stopped well she stopped being kind of religious uh catholic when she was 15 because her brother came out and she didn't think she could support a church that turned away her brother so she kind of yeah she she stopped and I was like that is a very you know supportive thing to do yeah. She did her own stunts in Dark Knight Ooh. and Dark Knight Rises. Louise, I know how much you love it when actors do their own stunts. Not I don't. <laughs> I think there's an expectation of actors are like, oh, they're so cool, they do their own stunts. But if you think about it, it's actually quite selfish. Because even though I've just like it's more realistic for the film, um if an actor's injured, it can cost people thousands of pounds. A stunt double's injured. It's pretty bad for the stunt double, but it doesn't cost the money they can replace a stunt double. You can't replace an actor. So the idea that more and more people are doing their own stunts, I don't think is very good. Yeah, and half it's cool. It's they're cool. If they want yep. to do it, it's not their life. Yep. Just maybe do them at the end of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the points are totally valid. I do understand where you're coming from. So Judy Garland is her favourite actress. Yes, Ooh. just yes. Um, and Meryl Streep is her idol, which, yeah, I mean, why not? And she has worked with Meryl Streep, of course, as well. If Meryl Streep isn't your idol, what, what? is happening with life? Like, <laughs> exactly. who doesn't admire Meryl Streep? That is, yeah, fair point, fair yeah. point. Good job, Anne, good job, Anne. So if she didn't pursue acting, she said she would have taught English or become a psychologist. There you Ooh. go. Look at you, Anne, thriving... Um, she broke two pairs of glass slippers on Ella Enchanted. Two pairs. I don't know quite how you manage that either. It's quite sore if she's actually wearing glass shoes. Yeah. Yeah, um, no. Ella Enchanted is one of the most underrated um, Cinderella Right, stories. it's so good and the music is so good. I love that movie. And I just remember her going up an escalator made of wood. <laughs> yeah, it's just how funny setting. is that? It's so funny. I love that. Yeah, go watch Ella Enchanted if you haven't. <laughs> yeah. Future podcast episode on Ella Enchanted. <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding. Um, she participated in a campaign with her boyfriend at the time, um, to immunize children against hepatitis A, and they managed to vaccinate between the two about a thousand people. So that's yeah. really good. Like, is, like herself. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah. With her boyfriend. That was, yeah, some impressive stuff there from Anne. So that is why she was our person of the day. Well done, Anne. 
So thank you so much for listening to our episode on the French Dispatch. I hope you enjoyed it. As we said at the uh, earlier in the episode, please do go follow our Instagram, TikTok and Twitter pages. And why not listen to some of our previous episodes if you haven't already? <laughs> the plug is over, thank goodness. So next time <laughs> we are going to be talking all about... Doctor Who and Lives of the Sea Devils. Yep. Which is out on Easter Sunday. So yeah, so tune in then to hear us talk all about it. Cannot promise I won't be crying, but we'll see. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>